Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, if you'll join me there this morning. Last week, we started a series uh, leading up to the Christmas holiday And uh, this is centered on the idea and the theology behind one of the great Christmas hymns. Uh, And some of those lyrics go, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And that idea was inspirational to me as I began. Uh, We showed the history of that. I don't want to belabor you again with that. But just a brief overview, the, the author of this poem, which was turned into a Christmas song... Uh, was a father of a Civil War soldier who went off to battle and was injured. And was uh, he came home from war. He had been shot through the shoulder. Thankfully, he didn't die. But there he was being nursed back to health by his father. In the midst of great political turmoil, right, the nation was at war with itself. And this uh, this writer of poems, was sitting there, caring for his son, thinking about all the turmoil and the difficulty, and he began to write this poem about how the the, uh, the situation that he was going through and what he was feeling in his soul was very troublesome. And, you know, we can identify with that, at least a little bit, I hope you can, We know what it's like to endure some trouble. This year, even our own family has gone through. We we lost my father-in-law. He went to be with Jesus this year. No doubt that was difficult. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have endured sickness, have illness, injuries. Uh, On top of that, our world has been uh, going through this pandemic People have been getting sick. We've been having to shelter at home. We've had to change our way of life in many ways. There is a, there is a price to pay. I'm just reading some statistics about people who have had a mental price to pay because of all the separation and anxiety. People are they're, they're losing their minds because of this pandemic. The prices that that people have had to pay. And in addition to that, those, uh, those who had operations scheduled that had to be canceled, people who had outpatient surgeries uh, to take care of needs in their bodies, and because the hospitals are filled, you know, uh, uh, those had to be canceled and, and uh, uh, rescheduled. And now a result of that, how many cancers that would have been discovered haven't been discovered and haven't been treated? And how many, you know, how many doctor's visits that would have revealed uh, um, uh, 
a need that needed to be taken care of and medicated and and, uh, treated. And how many of those that are untreated to this day and people are getting sicker? and, And so there's so many challenges we're dealing with this year. The death of beloved uh uh, uh, stars and uh, Kobe Bryant. The year began with the loss of Kobe Bryant. We've got uh, Chadwick Boseman, and people are wondering: is is this like the end times? And not to mention all of the political turmoil and an election. And now the results are disputed, and there's still strife, and nobody's sure what's happening. There's a lot we've had on our plate this year, right? And it's like the promises of Christmas in the midst of all this trouble. It becomes almost a mockery, and that's what this Christmas song says, that all of the troubles of the world are mocking the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It seems like these two things don't compute, but as this man is sitting there writing uh, from his heart, the, the story goes that he hears the local church ringing out the Christmas bells, and they're ringing out, and... As he hears those bells ringing, he is inspired once again that even through the midst of turmoil, that there is hope and there is joy, there is peace possible because of those Christmas bells. And I'm here to tell you that the same message that inspired this author uh, 170 plus years ago should also be able to inspire us here today. That peace on earth, goodwill toward men is not a mockery, but it truly is the promise of a lifetime. And that these Christmas bells ringing out in the midst of our turmoil, we shouldn't become jaded, we shouldn't become, uh, we shouldn't become twisted in our spirit, but we should once again uh, rejoice at the promise of our God. And so this is a, a message that I've titled, Peace on Earth, Goodwill Toward Men. And last week we looked at why we should have joy because we have peace among ourselves. This is what the gospel provides. Peace, the possibility for peace with one another. This this morning we're going to look at the possibility and the promise of having peace with Jesus. And we're going to look a little bit at the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know the Christmas story. You've seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special. They uh, recount the book of Luke, chapter 2, right? And, um, but we often forget how special it was for God to be clothed in human flesh. We often forget how incredible and how amazing that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the author of all things, the creator of all things, in whom all of the Godhead dwells fully. That's Jesus, right? That he came down not as a conquering king, but as a baby in a manger. And this truth ought to really inspire us this morning. See, When Jesus came down from heaven, he came in a very humble way. But that doesn't mean that he was not worthy of glory. He is still worthy of glory. And the reason is because of his great mission. And so we're going to read this scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, 
verses 13 through 18. Join me there this morning as we read from the Word of God. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near, everybody say near, by the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace. Remember, we're talking about peace on earth. Goodwill. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Now he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Christ is our peace. We have peace with Jesus. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we thank you for the spirit of the living God. We're asking you to help us to move upon this place, to pour out the Holy Ghost. Lord, we're asking that you would speak to us and move in our midst. We thank you for all that you're going to do. Jesus, be our peace, be our hope, be all that you are. We thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. amen. Thank you. Amen. This morning, we want to... Uh, we want to remind you who Jesus is. Just a few moments today. Hallelujah. Number one, the reason why Jesus is, is the reason for us to have peace is because you have a personal problem. Have you ever told somebody that you have a personal problem? Usually that's what you say when... You know, uh, you don't want to go into details. You know, what's wrong with you, bro? Well, it's a personal problem. <laughs> it's, it's what we say when we don't want to get involved and we don't want to have, uh, have uh, you know, we don't want to get into the details. I have a personal problem. It's something that you earned on your own. You didn't inherit. And so, um, uh, you know, we, we have a personal problem this morning. The personal problem that we have is the problem of rebellion and sin against God. Ezekiel says, listen, the soul who sins is the one who will die. The son will not share the guilt of the father, nor will the father share the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous man will be credited to him, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against him. In other words, the problem that we have is our own. It is a personal problem. This is not corporate problem. I want you to do your best. Pay attention to me. I know we're having a little problem over here. But listen, we all have our own personal problem. In other words, this morning, we are all going to have to deal with this personal problem on our own. Somebody say amen. What that means today is that this personal problem that you have is not something that I can cure for you. This is a problem. These personal problems are problems that you have to own, you have to understand. We cannot pass off the blame. We cannot tell somebody else it's your fault because, listen, these problems are what separate us from God. Do you remember maybe back when you were in grade school, somebody would act up? 
and the whole class wouldn't get to go out for recess? You remember that? Maybe when you were younger and you, know, you got one boisterous person that's running around and not paying attention and not listening to the teacher. And so what you have is the whole class has to pay a price for the problem of one, right? Or maybe you've seen this uh, in the military. Uh, you know, you have one recruit who, uh, who uh, can't listen to orders, and then you have the, the whole group paying a price because of the problem of one. Well, I'm telling you that that is not the case when it comes to our personal sin. What God is saying there in Ezekiel, he's saying that every person will have to pay the price for their own sin. So what that means is there's good news and bad news in both in this truth. The good news is you don't have to pay the price for somebody else's sins. The good news is that our personal problem leads to a personal responsibility. But it also means that just because you have a family, a father, a friend, a pastor who is a believer doesn't mean that you are a believer. What I'm saying is that every single one of us has to deal with the personal problem of separation from God. Will you take a moment this, this day to realize your personal need before God? Because the truth is, so many of us, we do not appreciate the salvation of Jesus because we do not understand the depth of of sin. All right. So because this is so distracting, I'm going to use it as an illustration. <laughs> so we've just had a, a, a little sickness happening in our church here today, for those who are on live stream and can't see what's going on. <laughs> and so what the problem here is that, that because this is a serious issue, because we, we don't want anyone else to get sick that's why we have to take the time and clean this up right away right it would not be normal for for that sickness to occur and then just nothing happens because the sickness has happened because uh there now we have a cleanup crew that is working diligently to clean that up so that we can move forward right isn't it true in our lives that, that uh, there are many people who have sickness in their soul but do not take steps to clean it up? That there are many people who live daily in rebellion against God. Many people who daily are uh, shaking their fist at God's rules and God's uh, restrictions that he's trying to put on you. And we're saying, no, I don't want to deal with that. And as a result, there are things, there are dirty socks piling up under the bed. And how many know there's, there's only a certain number of dirty socks that you can put under the bed before it starts to affect the entire house? Am I right? See, what we should be doing is dealing with those personal problems. See, but people make uh, excuses. Many people will say, you know, pastor, I was just, this is the way that I was born. This is who I am. It's a trait of my personality. I can't change this about myself. You're just going to have to deal with it. Is that a good excuse? We, if we claim that sin, well, let, let me just, let me put it this way. Sin is part of every person's personality. 
Because we were born with that. We were born in under the curse of sin. And so what we have to do, instead of, instead of uh, pushing the responsibility off to someone else, we have to take ownership. Sin is a personal problem. No one else can give it to you, and no one else can take credit for it. The Word of God says the soul who sins is the one who will die. And that, beloved, is your greatest personal problem. It's like, uh, have, you ever, have you ever met somebody who, um, <laughs> who doesn't use enough deodorant? <laughs> I, um, uh, I had the pleasure of being a uh, missionary overseas. And uh, in, in Eastern Europe, they think that deodorant is a luxury item. And truly, because it's very expensive over there, you know, one, one little bar of deodorant is like uh, 7 or $8 over there because they have to import it. They don't just make it in the country. So it is fairly a, a luxury item. So not a lot of people, you know, spend the money. And even if they do buy a stick of deodorant, they're maybe only using it for special occasions. <laughs> and uh, church is not a special occasion. So we would have often, we'd have people come in to the church especially in the summertime, a smelling quite ripe. You know what I'm saying? And the thing that's interesting about body odor <laughs> is that once you've been smelling bad for a certain amount of time, it's like you stop noticing it. You're not aware of it anymore. The only, you know, the only clue that you have is that people around you are making faces. Body odor is one of those things that you just get used to. Once it's part of your life, man, if, if you stop using deodorant, please don't do that. But I'm telling you, you will be okay with yourself, but nobody, will, nobody else will be okay with you. <laughs> Can I tell you, sin is like that. Especially the sins that we get used to, we get comfortable with. Our little pet project sins. The ones that we don't think are a big problem. The ones that we've learned to live with. And what happens is that we begin to be unaware of the results of those sins, but other people still notice. God still notices. The problem that we all have, our personal problem, and probably part of the reason, hopefully, that you're here today is because you realize that we all have a personal problem. See, we don't come to church because everything's well. We come to church because we are broken and because we need a Savior. That was a good place to say amen. So, how do we meet this personal need? How do we overcome the problem of sin? How do we make it through? How do we find the goodwill toward men and the peace on earth? And I'm here to tell you, through our scripture, it is through Jesus. That personal problem is not one that can be remedied by a program, by a ceremony. I can't wave some magic wand in your life and magically deal with all of your sins. I can't do that. I wish I could, but I can't. Your need, your personal need that you have in your life, the one that, that, uh, that I can't put on you, nor can you put it off to me, that need can only be met through a person. And who is that person? It is Jesus Christ. So, 
this need that you uh, have in your life, the personal problem that we all deal with, is met not through policies, not through ceremonies, but through a person of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, I, I heard of a preacher one time, and uh, when he would go around and introduce himself, uh, and people would ask, what, what do you do for a living? This preacher would say, I'm in the life assurance business. I'm in the business, I'm in the ministry of helping people be assured that they could live eternally. In other words, that living for God is, is more than just signing your name on a dotted line, right? Living for Jesus, dealing with sin is more than just a contract. It's not a ceremony. Some people think that just by going through the procedures of Christianity, just by cracking open a Bible once in a while, or just by sitting in the church service every few weeks, that this is going to automatically deal with the problem of sin, but it's not. If it was the case that ceremonies and policies and procedures would deal with sin, then the Jews would have figured it out long ago. But remember what it said in Hebrews, that it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. In other words, the Jewish custom of sacrifice in the temple, the blood spilling. Listen, they had a ceremony for every little sin, didn't they? They had a way of dealing with it. They had a way of a ceremony, a a sacrifice. They had all of those things But when it came down to it, all of that blood that was spilled on those altars was not enough. Was not enough to deal with the personal problems that we all have. And even worse than that, if we are putting trust only in the ceremony, only in the procedure, if we are putting our trust only, only in the church service, then it becomes detestable to God. Listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 12. When you come to appear before me, this is God speaking. Who has asked this of you, the trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Can you hear God's heart behind that? Can you hear the heart of God saying all of your ceremonies? They're really not making a difference. In fact, they've made me upset because it's all just playing games. It's sad to me to think how many churches, how many Christians are going through the ceremonial motions, waving the flags, going through, singing all the right songs, but God says, I hate that because it's meaningless. It's just a facade. God has not touched their hearts. What about you this morning? Is it more than just ceremony and policy and more than just routine and tradition? Because if it's not, what we do is we end up making God angry as his people did in Isaiah. If we do all of this form and ceremony, pomp and circumstance, and our hearts are not changed, Jesus came to this earth not to give us a ceremony, not to give us an order of services. 
he came to deal with the personal problem that we all have, the problem of sin. How many still with me today? The problem of sin is not going to be not going to be resolved but just by being in the right place at the right time. It's not just about being in the church service. It's about being in Christ. Listen to our scripture again. But now in Christ Jesus, in, that is a statement of position. Where are we located? But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace. Let me just paint a little picture for you. Can you imagine what it would be like to have an impersonal Christmas? What do you mean by that? Okay, uh, you know, maybe in your house, like in our house, you have a Christmas tree. And under that Christmas tree, you have some gifts that are starting to pile up, hopefully. Maybe you got a few here or there. But in our house, we've got a few back in the corner that, have, you know, and there's, there's, as the days and the weeks go by, we're getting a few more. Here and there, the girls are starting to examine them. What would it be like if you had a Christmas tree and there's gifts under the tree, but there's no names attached? There was no two or no four or from. It's all just impersonal that we're going to buy a few nice trinkets and we're just going to leave them there under the tree. And then when Christmas morning comes, you know, just pick a couple of good ones. See, that would make the whole thing meaningless, wouldn't it? Then at that point, the Christmas tree is, is, is no more special than, the, you know, the, the shopping at Walmart because it's impersonal. See, the thing that makes the transaction and the thing that makes gift giving fun and special is that it's personal that there is a gift being transferred from someone to someone it makes it special it gives it meaning how many christians come to church and we have some kind of theoretic idea about salvation that you know, in theory, it means that, you know, the blood of Jesus can wash away sins. But, you know, that gift is, is something that's far away. I don't know about you, but salvation is personal to me. Because I know that my sins have been forgiven. I know that when Christ hung on the cross, that he was hanging there, not for somebody else, but for me. And that makes it special, gives it meaning, gives it passion. It means that it's more than just a religion. It's more than just a church service. It means that as Christ came to the earth, he gave up his glory. Why did he do that? It was a gift that had my name on it. From Christ to Adam Dragoon. And what that means is that it's special. It's meaningful. It has purpose and intention. For my life, do you have that? We know that we all have the problem of sin, but not everyone has the personal gift of salvation. This is exactly the promise that God gave to us in Isaiah 7, 14. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Everybody know what that means? God with us. Emmanuel means God with us. 
Maybe you've, uh, you've seen a, a program on, on the telly. There's, a, there's this show called Undercover Boss. Anybody ever seen that? The reason why that show is so successful, and the reason why almost every time you watch it, it brings you to tears, is because it's a Christmas story. It's about the boss who was up lofty in his office and couldn't be bothered with the problems of his employees, right? They put him in some disguise. They put him in a wig. They, they dress him up. They, and they put him uh, to be one of the hourly workers on the assembly line, right? Or uh, if, if it's a restaurant owner, you know, he, he becomes a, a line cook in the, in the kitchen. And th- this is the Christmas story. Jesus became the ultimate undercover boss. God clothed in human flesh, the creator of the universe, who can't control his own bowel movements, right? Had to depend on two peasants for his survival. Why did he do that? Why? Because Jesus intended to come down to where we are, to suffer the way you suffer, to feel what you feel, to endure what you endured as a human being. Nobody trusts the boss who doesn't seem to care about his own employees, right? But this is why I'm telling you, you can put your trust in Christ because of his personal invitation to deal with your personal problem. The peace that we gain with Christ, the peace that is available through salvation is a personal salvation. Let's close with this last idea. We're talking this morning about the importance of relationships. Uh, I think it it ought to be mandated that every year at Christmas time that we should watch in some form or fashion that famous story from Charles Dickens, The Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge, right? I think it should be mandated. You know, there's plenty of versions out there. Uh, But we, we we should remember that story because it captures something very powerful. Ebenezer Scrooge, in the beginning of the story, was, what was he? He was uncaring. He was stingy. It was more than just his greed, though. It was his lack of care and concern for other people around him. See, that's what greed really is. It means that you care more about things than you do about people. And here's good old Ebenezer Scrooge, and remember how the story goes. He is visited in the night by those three Christmas ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And each one of them is teaching good old Ebenezer about something that we have forgotten about so often. And it is the importance of people rather than things. And if you remember that story, remember the ghost of Christmas past takes him back to view his own life in the context of other people, a a girlfriend that never became a wife, in Christmas present, takes him to see, you know, the uh, uh, Bob Cratchit's house, Tiny Tim, the family setting that he never was aware of, never knew about. And the, the ghost of Christmas future, watching his own funeral, watching the end of his life, and watching that there was nobody there to care about him. What those three things are revealing in the life of good old Ebenezer is that he had no importance, had no time had no 
uh, investment in relationships. Can I tell you, relationships are the true treasure of the kingdom. That Jesus Christ saved us. We talked last week about we have peace through God. We have peace with one another to make relationships, to make friendships and connections with one another. Jesus got personal. He said, ask whatever you will in my name and it will be done for you. What does that mean to ask in my name? It means that there is a personal connection, right? It means that when we pray, that we sh- the reason we pray in Jesus' name is not just a mantra. It's not just magical group of words to make our dreams come true. No, it means that we are connected to Jesus and that we should want what he wants. Our response to him is personal, and it's to a person. See, the church cannot be responsible for your response. The church in general can't believe for you. I can't believe for you. I can't have a relationship with Jesus on your behalf. I can only have my own relationship, and that's hard enough for me to have my own connection to the Lord Jesus. But see, that's exactly why he came down to the earth. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas time is the opportunity for you as a human being, no matter how old you are, how much money you have, what background you come from, every person here, you have the opportunity to be connected personally to Jesus. The importance of relationships over material things. See, we have we have we are living today, we have become such a material-based generation, haven't we? Life becomes more about things than people. It becomes what I own, the gadgets that I use, the computer that I browse the web on, the music that I listen to, the clothes, the purse, the car that I drive, all of those things. Listen, they're not evil in themselves, but if all we do, our lives are centered around the material, then we are missing out on the, the most important thing. This is personal to you. It should be personal. So, according to the latest research that I could find, 89% of people in the United States claim that they believe in God in some form. That's a lot of people. But when you begin to ask them if they believe that Jesus is Lord that Jesus should be followed and worshipped as God, all of a sudden it becomes very personal. Well, I wasn't talking about Jesus. I was talking about God, some, uh, some force of the universe, right? Well, can I tell you, God did not want to introduce himself as some impersonal Star Wars force. That whole universe of the light versus dark, the, you know, the, the, the force that can move objects, and you know, that's all wonderful, but it's very impersonal, isn't it? You wouldn't give the force a name. See, the force that we serve is a person. And his name is Jesus. And he's the one who showed up 2,000 years ago to save us from our sins. It is more than just some impersonal cosmic force. He is a person. And he is here today to save us from our sins. Again, let me read that scripture. Ephesians 2, verse 13. You who were once far away have been brought near through the blood 
of the force. Does that make any sense to you? A force doesn't have blood. A force of some cosmic uh, entity, a a creator. No, it is through the blood of Jesus. And I'm telling you that the reason this should be important to you, the reason that it brings peace between us and him is because this was personal to Jesus, wasn't it? Your salvation was personal to him. It became his personal problem. There are many good people who die for many good causes. Now, I could, you know, in some theoretic world, you know, if, uh, if, uh, if you were standing in the middle of the road and there was a car coming towards you, you know, and I could run out to the middle of the road and leap and push you out of the way and the car would cream me instead. And we could say in that sense that I gave my life so that you could live. That would be a, a nice sacrifice. And hopefully you would appreciate if I did that for you, right? But here's the thing. Even that, even that doesn't happen very often. But here's, here's God. I am an imperfect human being. I am full of flaws. But, I, you know, there are people who do that today. But here's the thing about Jesus. When he went to the cross, he was not deserving of that. He was the only one who perfectly obeyed the commandments of God who perfectly fulfilled the will of his Father. And here he is shedding his own blood, the blood that ran through his veins, spilled out on the ground. It was a gift that had your name on it, not for somebody else, from Jesus to Patrick Sabatini, from Jesus to Patrick Doherty, from Jesus to Andre Redmond, from Jesus to Joni Saul, from Jesus to Dave Smale, from Jesus to every one of you. That is the gift of salvation. And for you to leave that gift sitting under the tree, or worse, for you to kick it aside and say, ooh, nice iPhone. Or for you to, uh, to put your trust in things of the world greater than this gift. It's insulting to God. Because this is the gift that he provided so that you could have an answer for your personal problem of sin. Those of us who are once far away, we have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. It is through his blood that we have peace with our Savior. Peace with our Savior. Let's bow our heads and bring this service to a close quickly this morning we thank you again for listening do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox make sure to sign up at our website vvph.org if this message has been a blessing to you would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation please visit our website vvph.org and scroll down to find the give button at the bottom of the page we would be so grateful for your support Until next time, love God and love people.